We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. This is going to be your Wednesday, July 12th edition. We are going to be going through um, a lot of the same exercise that you guys have grown accustomed to in these previews with Andrew Spade, where we are going to pick a couple teams in the NFC to hit on. We only have a few more of these shows uh, before we get to our AFC North really deep dive, where we spend all three of the episodes of the week looking into the fine details of each of those teams, maybe even perhaps with a guest from another um, you know, somebody who covers those teams. We'll try to get to that. But uh, what we're going to do today, hit on a couple teams we view as NFC East, true competitors. And then from there, uh, we'll kind of do a roundup or, or everybody else, quick everybody else for your Friday episode on the rest of the NFC. Uh, before we get to those, though, I'm going to welcome in Andrew Spade. We are going to talk about cornerbacks. It's cornerback week at the OBR. And I think, Andrew, we're doing this thing where – new structure, new coordinator, new thought process, and we're just presuming it's going to be a positive. It's pretty clear coming out of training camp, sorry, mini camp and OTAs, the Denzel Ward is going to be a part of the solution for Greg Newsom's I don't want to be inside all the time conundrum. So like that to me is sort of interesting where uh, I think that there's going to be some schematic difference, which Greg talked about. I was almost playing linebacker. You kind of do have to play linebacker in that role. Sometimes you're going to be asked to run fit. So like the answer we have here is that pretty clearly Martin Emerson can't or won't play inside. I don't know if he won't, but I, he has not been an inside guy ever. Mm. And I don't think he has the skill set for that. We'll talk about him in just a moment. But the answer here is like, Hey, we're going to do a little bit of putting Denzel inside and letting you play outside off of that. Cause Denzel, if you watch clips of, of mini camp where we got the, the, the highest variety of clips was inside a lot uh, and almost relearning what it takes to play in there. And I'm like thinking to myself, is that the best outcome is, is, is sticking Denzel Ward in there, your highest paid defensive secondary player. Is that the best outcome? I think that what we're doing here is we're almost saying this is going to be great. And I'm kind of nervous that rotating those guys around now, sometimes they'll bring a safety into the equation too. 
might not yield the best outcome. Or maybe I'm just being pessimistic about this. You, you tell me, Andrew, like, is should we be concerned about just saying, hey, Greg, we're going to put you on the outside more and put Denzel inside? And it's like, that's just creating two problems where you only had one. But Denzel seems receptive to it. So maybe I'm maybe I'm off base with this, man. Yeah, I think the cornerback situation they've gotten themselves into is, I mean, the, the best way to sum it up, right, is that they have three, uh, you know, above average to good to possibly great to elite cornerbacks. It's a wide range there. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, none of them, they have three that are they're at a, at a minimum above average is I guess the way I should say it, right? Yeah. They, they yeah. None of them are going to be bad, you don't think, this year. Which is more than most teams have. So that's good, right? Like we've been going through these team previews and you see some of the quarterback depth charts. It's like the Browns have three cornerbacks that are better than anybody on the Vikings roster, for example, right? Um, And the Vikings are probably their division favorites. So a little bit of perspective there. But the problem is that all three of their cornerbacks who are at at a minimum above average are outside cornerbacks, you know? And two of them have the the ability to play inside, but they aren't really – true nickel cornerbacks. And so the Browns had two options this offseason to address this. One option was um, try and kind of muddle through this situation where they have these three guys, two of them on cheap rookie deals, and decide where they fit and hope that it kind of takes care of itself through the course of the season. The other option was signing a true nickel and then having one of the three guys not play at nearly as many snaps. And they chose the first option. And so now we're kind of seeing the fallout from that. So To your specific question about Denzel, I think the big question is how do how do other teams approach it, right? If they want, you know, if other teams want to put their best receiver, I'm trying to think of an example of a team that the Browns play that would do this. But you know, teams have in in recent years put their best receiver in the slot more often to try and get the more favorable matchups or get them a free release. If teams want to do that, like the Rams, if, you know, if the Rams are putting Cooper Cup in the slot, you know, 60% of snaps in that game against the Browns, then Ward being in the slot 60% of snaps, I'm good with, right? Like that ma- that makes sense. But if if Ward's in the slot and he's covering, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> Gunnar Olszewski from the Steelers, right? Or uh, whoever that that dude is that the that the Bengals have, whose, whose name I can never remember, uh, Andre something, um, you know, like... If it's, if it's like a fourth or fifth wide receiver, now we're just wasting a cornerback. So it's a question yeah. to me of how the other teams attack them and then how the Browns match up with that. They have the versatility. I think the question is, do they use that versatility as a strength or do they allow themselves to be pigeonholed? As, as I work through it sort of mentally, I've thrown out the idea before that it feels like they now have a bunch of pieces in place where like – they can do some of that mix and matching. Oh, it's Mike Evans in the slot this week. We can put Martin Emerson in the slot right. against him. It's, right. uh, you know, uh, Denzel covers the smaller types. They, they, uh, right. And then they'll play the Dolphins. But like, you know, Jalen Waddles in the slot. They right. need to put, there's answers there. But I get nervous about, you know, I've always heard this theory that, you know, the, the quarterback is one of them. But if you have uh, safety types, I think Kim McCusick, who covers the Ravens, said this really well. When you talk about you have, safeties that can do a little bit of everything usually that did, means they're not really good at one thing yep and i and i worry i think that that we should have an alert up for mm-hmm. you know because what we try to do here is give you every end of a situation the good and bad of it the good of it i've kind of already laid out mm-hmm. that they have types that they can match up but then i think okay 
taking guys out of the things that they're comfortable doing, is that always a great outcome just because it's something you can do? Should you do something you can do? And I think that there's always a risk involved there. Denzel, the most snaps Denzel has played in the slot in his career, 61 is his rookie year, 63 of um, 841, 61 of those snaps is rookie year, 748 is second year, 63. The next three years combined, 11, 10, and 3. Yeah. So he's just not doing he's it. not he's not doing it. So right. it's like right. if you watched him in some of those clips, like I've shown them to OBR people in the forums, he kind of looks lost I mean, mm-hmm. because it is a completely different, especially not right. not not go out there and play man. That's easy. Just guard him, cover him. Mm-hmm. Here's your help. You got either deep half helper, you have deep middle helper, you have an underneath cut defender. You can kind of guide the man coverage in that direction. But, you know, go out there and play curl flat, go out there and play hook. Like you, that's tricky, right? Yep. That's really tricky. So I think that presuming this is a great outcome, no matter what, these three corners, and you're right, they are more talented than a lot of other guys out there in the NFL. But you can be less talented, but be very good at your specific finite thing and still find a niche in the NFL. Whereas a guy could be more overall talented than you and can't find that niche or isn't being put in the position to uh, capitalize on all those skills, and you get nervous. So yeah. I just think it's worth discussing that, there is risk, even though these guys are talented, there is still risk to getting the best out of them. And there's a world in which we look back at the end of the year and we just kind of say again, yeah, the secondary was okay. It wasn't right. great. We're trying to right. figure out why they can't be great. And we just have landed on, they don't have a Mike Hilton. They don't have a guy who's yep. just a dog as a slot corner and understands every single angle of it and is able to be used as a weapon in that role, as opposed to somebody just, ah, we'll rotate him this week because he played a little too much out there the week yeah. before or whatever justification right. you want to use there. So it's we, just a know, little tricky. We talked about it last time you and I got together about, you know, if they hold their water on some of these other free agent moves or trades till closer to the season, this is one area that I think, you know, could be an area that they have to address, right? If they get through training camp and, they, and they're not seeing it the way that they thought they were going to see it, or even into the season. I mean, to your point, if we're in week four and it's, you know, Ward and Newsom each 50-50 in the slot, and when Ward goes in, teams are just picking on him uh, because it's predictably easy for them. Then, like a coverage indicator. Like, hey, exactly, they play exactly. 30% more cover three when right. Denzel's in there. Or, right. You know, I'm, I, I would hope the Browns aren't stupid enough to do that. But you're right that like, hey, Denzel, we want to put Denzel in the slot more this week, but we, we really can't play hook. So we don't really right. want to play yep. uh, quarters so much with him there. It, I just, and I think it's, it's there. It's one of those things that those those sorts of giveaways or indicators are more prevalent when you don't have you don't have versatile personnel, right? And so you can't mix and match truly position-free football the way that some teams do because, like you said, there's some things Ward can't do as well. And so in that situation, I could see them making either a small trade or a free agent move. You know, I don't think there's a ton of slot, pure slot corners left on the free agent market, but, you know, whether it's a waiver wire guy or something like that, I mean, you know, I think we've heard a little bit of this guy, Mike Ford, that they signed as a special teams player that he can do it. You know, I, I'm not, I mean, I, I think if he could, he'd probably have a job, you know, so like, um, and not be like the fifth cornerback on the Browns. And then obviously they drafted Cameron Mitchell. I think he can do it. So, you know, I, I think this is one of those things where you wonder how much of this is going to be figuring it all out in training camp when they can actually put some of these guys on the field. You know, those practices against the Eagles, I think will be awfully instructive, right? Like 
a player like Devontae Smith out of the slot is going to expose any weakness that, that the Browns have on the secondary side. So, um, yeah, I, I think the, the, op, you know, the optimistic viewpoint, Jake, is either that they figure it out between those three guys who are talented or they realize they don't have it figured out and they fix it. I think that's one of the bigger plots about the defense. We're talking so much about how they create pressure, so much about the guys they've added up front, Jim Schwartz' way to create sacks, blah, blah, blah. We're not talking enough about how this, when we look back on like, was the defense successful or not, this is probably the biggest storyline. It, yeah. it really is. because well, they have especially considered talented. how much they have invested. Exactly. And they have three ta- players that we know are talented, and we're yeah. sort of saying it's Joe Wood's fault it didn't work. Right. Well, yep. now we brought in Jim Schwartz, who's proven to be a pretty good DC, and if they can't figure it out with those guys, then it's probably a player acquisition or a player lacking to maybe – trading Greg Newsom. Maybe you should have moved him because mm-hmm. you just couldn't figure it out and you needed to, to capitalize on moving and getting somebody who could fit that role a little bit more. So uh, we'll see just something that I think is a little under discussed in terms of, uh, I think we again, presume that this is going to be a great thing because they have talent. It's like, you have to figure out how to harbor that without sacrificing the greater good of the defense to keep someone happy. So yep. we'll see about that. The last question I had on corner before we shift to, uh, you know, our preview is Martin Emerson. I think he's a logical candidate to, to work his way backward where he was really good his rookie year. And this is the same for like Tariq Woolen. I'm seeing mm-hmm. um, Sauce Gardner talk about the NFL like he's got it all figured out. The NFL will humble you. It'll humble you really quickly, way before you think it should. I, I, it's like Sauce Gardner had the quote where he's like, it should be easy to make the playoffs this year now because they didn't rush. Like, man, come on, dude. This, this league will... He might be the guy. He might be awesome. He might be, you know, infallible here. But I think somebody like Tariq Woolen, who had this great rookie year, he's a six-round pick, I think, in Seattle. Those guys can have a step back. New scheme, new coach, new thought process for the for the secondary. Is Emerson to you a boom guy, or do you think he's going to slowly work his way? Not to be bad. He's not going to be some net negative. But I think people think that Emerson had this great rookie year, and they think he's destined to be elite. And it's like. Do you see an elite player there? Or do you see somebody who is just probably going to be okay? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think, I think that you can make the argument that when, when you know, when you draft a cornerback with, you know, outside of the top ten or fifteen, wherever most Pro Bowl quarterbacks come, or cornerbacks come from, right? Like when you do that. Emerson kind of has the package of of skills that you would want to see in the in a cornerback that comes out of kind of nowhere to to be dominant uh, in terms of just the the frame right and the you know the ball skills that didn't really translate into ball production in college and so it, you know it fly his his skill kind of flies under the radar a little bit and then you get him into the the NFL and it's like you know it starts showing up. Uh, big time in, in terms of just his, you know, both pass breakups and interceptions. And so I think that there definitely is a path forward for him. But I think your point about expecting a second year player with his sort of production his first year to take a step back is reasonable, right? Because um, the, yeah, the, the, the number one, you know, sort of superpower that the NFL has is that hive mind where somebody figures out how to attack Martin Emerson or Sauce Gardner, or, I mean, Go back to 2019 and how quick the book got on, on Baker Mayfield that second year. You know, he's rolling right. Every time he escapes the pocket, he's rolling right. And pretty soon, guys, you know, uh, edge rushers weren't even pushing the pocket. They were just waiting for him to get flushed. And he was he was sacking himself, essentially. Yep. 
So, yeah. you know, that process happens with every player in the NFL and the great ones transcend it. And so that's going to be the challenge for Martin Emerson because he has liabilities just like any player. You know, I'm not going to pretend to be enough of a film buff to know offhand what his liabilities are, but I, I you know, whatever they are, NFL teams are going to find them and, and try and prey on them this season. And it's his ability to bounce back from that and, and adjust that will determine how successful he is long-term in the NFL. I think he can do it because I think he's got both the, the athletic tools and also the mentality, the ball skill, you know, the natural feel. So much of what showed up for him last year was feel stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he was really thrown into the deep end and his, his, his feel, his ability to compete in those situations was what really jumped out to me as just a guy that didn't ever feel, you know, the confidence of swagger. That stuff is a little bit ineffable, but it really showed up for him last year. So that's what makes me probably most helpful about this year. Yeah, I think it's okay to say I don't know on this. Yeah. That's kind of what you're saying in a roundabout way. And with him, there's well, yeah, just not words, enough. But yeah. yeah, like there's just not enough evidence yet. Like I think that there's a chance he steps back, but even a step back still might be a good enough player here to to make them feel comfortable with him going into the future. Like he's got the size to match up in a way that Greg and – and Denzel do not have the size to match up against like, again, trying to think of receivers like Drake London types, right? Bigger body type receivers. He can handle that in a way that I don't think they necessarily can. Um, There's a lot to really like there. So um, again, though, I need to see, like you said, second year, they get more film of you, more ways to understand what your your weaknesses are. They start to attack those. It'll be a really big year for him. So I, I think you should feel positive about Martin Emerson. There's no reason not to, but also understand that there is a chance for a year two regression here where they start to figure him out. And from there, uh, th- there's a there's a means by which he's going to have to then figure out what they figured out, the counter figure out, which is you know, not discuss him <laughs> out, maybe, the counter figure out. So we'll see if Emerson can replicate. It'll be huge for them if they could get that out of him, especially considering he's probably going to be slated as a field outside corner pretty much in his entirety. I think it just makes the most sense for him. Uh, matching up with a lot of receivers that get put in those places. So, all right, we're going to take a break, uh, come back from break. We're going to talk about the two uh, NFC East teams that I think are at the top of the competition ladder over there. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So the first team in the NFC East that matters is obviously the Super Bowl, nearly the Super Bowl winning Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, They lose that game in a tough fashion comes down to a holding call that ends up costing them. They're really good, man. And I just remember how weird it was that they were flying under the radar. Now Jalen hurts breakout is the the biggest reason, but like they came to Cleveland for that setup last year. I remember putting into the OBR slack, like this roster is ridiculously good and and they got better. So we'll, let's talk through that. So 
They do lose Rashad Penny, who's a nice running back. They lost Marcus. Uh, sorry, they, they added Penny. They added Marcus Mariota, and they added Greedy Williams. Sub Greedy. Um, <laughs> subtractions. They they do lose Javon Hargrave. They lose uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, which I do think is a big one. They also lost Miles Sanders, but they did gain DeAndre Swift. So the running back situation, I think, is better than it was uh, for them last year. If you look through their uh, depth chart, it's it's pretty loaded, man. They have AJ Brown. They had Devontae Smith. They added Olamide Zacchaeus from Atlanta, who's an underrated receiver to go with Quez Watkins, who's a burner, a, th- a fourth wide receiver type for them. Um, they get, you know, guys who have just been around and given them like random good moments. Greg Ward is still there for them, so they'll do well enough. Now, I know this was a popular comment in uh, social media around the Browns yesterday around injuries and like, uh, it, you know, well, if they lose Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, they're terrible. Hey, here's a, here's a note. Every team is screwed when their top two receivers go down. So anyway, their top two is as good as anybody, though. So looking through quickly – the offensive line, Jordan Mailata is good. They bring back Kelsey another year. They draft Tyler Steen, who I think is a fun player in the third round. They still have Lane Johnson, older, but still a very competent offensive line. Uh, they have Dallas Goddard back, is uh, an elite tight end in the league. Jalen Hurts, obviously Mariota now the backup taking over uh, in that role. And then DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell, Rashad Penny, a lot of running back depth there. Still have the elite uh, older fellas, the Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. But then they went out and got crazy in the draft, drafted Jalen Carter, right? Then they also went out and drafted um, in the first round as well, which I don't see it. Maybe he's listed as an outside linebacker. Yeah, Nolan Smith, yeah. Yeah, Nolan Smith is listed as one of the – because they're an odd front team. So uh, Nolan Smith, Hassan Reddick, N'Kobe Dean is their interior guy, uh, linebacker. Nicholas Marrow's back. They still have Darius Slay. They still brought back James Bradbury. They thought they were going to lose Slay. Then they brought him back. They have Terrell Edmonds, who they brought in from Pittsburgh. Reed Blankenship's the other state. They did lose some safety stuff, right? The safety depth is gone. They, they had to reshuffle some of that stuff. But Edmonds is a fine player. I think they liked what Reed Blankenship gave them last year. Avante Maddox is the nickel. I mean, we don't have to, to waste too much time here. Who are they? Um, you know, they're, they're Nick Sirianni's group that believes in him. They're led by Jalen Hurts, who's become a miraculously strong leader. I think they're still a really strong, fundamentally defense-led football team that has an explosive offense, and they're just – who are they as they're really good. They have a really good roster, really good situation in the NFC, and they're like they're, they're where you want to be where they're led by these veterans, the Kelseys, the Johnsons, the guys who have been there for a while. Dallas Goddard's now been there since 2018. Um, they're really good, man, and I, yep. I, I, like, I don't really know what other way to say it. They, they are, they're, they're just a very veteran-led football team with explosive weapons and options to come off of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I, we've, we've done a lot of these, Jake. And, you know, we look at our lads for this, as we've talked about before. I think this is the first team where I've seen a 2010 uh, draft pick that's still with their original. I mean, when you think about, you know, this will be his, what, 13th, 14th season with the same team. That's an incredible run for Brandon Graham, you know, in one place. Fletcher Cox has been there over a decade you know, that's the sort of culture. Think about where the Browns were in 2010, 2011, how much they had to go through. I think they've changed owners since then, let alone players, general managers, coaches. So it's just, you know, when you're working with those sorts of veterans, it's a different, you're playing a different game, essentially, right? When you have that many guys that have been in one building for over a decade, it really makes the, you know, the curve. I mean, we, everybody, you know, and Nick Sirianni does deserve a ton of credit, but like, you know, you know, that's a little bit of a cheat code when you have that many, uh, you know, veteran players around to kind of help the young guys figure it out. And, you know, you drop a guy like Jalen Carter into the middle of that. If, if those older guys can help him figure out how to, you know, 
play NFL football, be an adult, you know, keep his head on straight. That goes so far to getting the most out of a draft pick like that, which, you know, I mean, they, they have nothing but talent on the defensive line, so he would fit right in. So um, well, it's like they're Howie Roseman led too. I mean, he's yeah, like his ability sure. to have like Fletcher and Brandon yep. alongside on the defense and then go out and draft Jalen Carter and then find a way to go up and get Nolan Smith. Like they yep. also got Keely Ringo in the fourth round. They got a fun safety in Sidney Brown in the third round. Yeah. Uh, and on offense, you know, you have Kelsey and Lane Johnson to sort of lead that group and you swing a trade for AJ Brown. They're, they're just really well run from it. This is the, you know, we talk about the Browns and, and, and like Andrew Barry is trying to emulate a lot of what the Eagles are doing. This is what you want, where yeah. the Browns have it in a little sense with Joel Batonio and some of the veterans that they've had. They're trying to do this. They are. But yeah. they, they're, they're, they're just, they're not that crazy far off, but they need their guys. Like the elite guys, the Eagles, their elite guys are elite and they yep. produce, and mm-hmm. the Browns need to get there. So uh, better or worse, I think it's a better version of last year's team, if I'm being honest. I think they're they're a better version. I don't know what you think, but uh, I think they the youngsters that they added on that defense put me in a place that I feel like they are a better version. Of, yeah. uh, and, and, the, and I think DeAndre Swift is such a perfect RPO running back for them. Like, I'm, I'm more worried about the Eagles this year than last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, as, as far as the roster on the field, I would agree that they're – they're probably better than last year. I think the question is about can you lose both of your coordinators and and kind of keep things even keel? You know, how much of an adjustment period is that? Now, Brian Johnson, who's taken over as OC, was in the building, so that should be pretty smooth. Sean Desai comes in from Seattle. How much does he change the defense? How much of that is maybe a good thing? You know, is that yeah. is that correcting some of the stuff that Gannon was doing that they didn't like? But you see this a lot where teams will lose both their coordinators, and it, it might take a, a minute, just a little bit of a step back, yeah, to to kind of keep things on track. It's one of the reasons that it's been so frustrating that the Bengals haven't had Lou Anarumo hired, right? Or uh, you know, I mean, the the Steelers and Ravens the same thing. They they keep their coordinators for so long that it you know it it's you don't get the sort of benefit of. It, there's going to be a natural step back as these guys kind of teach the way they want to do it, and you know, new play caller. Uh, you know, I think you know Brian Johnson's going to call plays, and so yeah, I, I mean, I I think there's a little hesitation there, but there's so much talent that it doesn't feel like it should represent too much of a step back for them. It's really frustrating. We'll talk about this next week where Callahan and Anarumo can't get hired by anybody. It's yeah. just like, seriously. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're a Super Bowl uh, contender. We'll leave yep. it at that. Let's switch over to the Cowboys. So the Cowboys are uh, again, they're in a, they're in a, an expectation of seriously competing right away. They add Stefan Gilmore at corner veteran, but still good enough. And then they add Brandon cooks, another veteran, but still good enough and an upgrade for them at a spot. They needed it. They do lose Connor McGovern at guard and they lost Ezekiel Elliott among a few others. They're still um, in my opinion, very competent and a, and a, and a really, I think a really competitive team. They should be a really competitive team this year. They still have Gallup, Cooks, and CeeDee Lamb. That's a good group of three receivers. Uh, you know, the left tackle is still Tyron Smith aging, but still very obviously one of the best when he's healthy. Tyler Smith, their first-round uh, offensive lineman that played a bunch of different roles for them. Zach Martin is an elite guard. Him and Joel Batonio have been like the elite guys since uh, being coming coming into the league. Terrence Steele at tackle. Um, they, they do have to replace Dalton Schultz, Jake Ferguson's first in line to do that. They did draft Luke Schoomaker out of Michigan in the second round to try to supplement that. You get Dak Prescott, you get a full on Tony Pollard backfield now with uh, Deuce Vaughn as their six round pick as a sort of uh, mix and match there that I think that's just going to be so much better. They don't feel forced to play Zeke. They're going to be more explosive defensive side of the football still have Demarcus Lawrence. They added Maisie Smith, um, out of Michigan in the first round. Osa, 
uh, I, the kid out of Washington, third round pick in 21, who's been a good player for them. Oda, Odigzuma, Zuma, I, I can't remember. Odigi Zua, got it, so. perfect. Micah Parsons, I hear, I hear, is a decent football player. Yep, they brought back Leighton Vander Esch. Uh, they're going to start apparently. They're going to start Demarvin Overshone, the the uh, third round pick out of Texas, uh, in the uh, will linebacker position, or Damon Clark, or Damone. I think it's Damon. Uh, it's Damon, Damon Clark. Yeah. It's got to be Damon. Damone is a weird name. Uh, Stephon mm-hmm. Gilmore at corner, Trevon Diggs the the other corner. They still have uh, Kelvin Joseph, who they took in the second round in 21, kind of back there floating around. Jordan Lewis, uh, the Michigan product, is a nice nickel for them. Slated to start Malik Hooker in the second, uh, deep in the secondary at free safety. We'll see about that. And then uh, also a chance that they uh, continue. They st- they saw an uptick from Donovan Wilson, but we'll see if uh, we'll see if he can continue on the right path there. They brought, I think, they brought him back. So uh, listen, they're not as deep a roster here as. Uh, you know, uh, to me, as deep a roster as, as the Eagles, but there's they're a version of them where they they have the right explosion with the right uh, sort of experience around them, some veterans that have been there for a while, and uh, I think they're kind of waiting to capitalize on if like a team like Philly's beat up, right, or maybe they have yeah. key injuries or something. And uh, I, I am worried. The biggest thing that worries me about them is they let Kellen Moore go, mm-hmm. that offensive coordinator, and they brought in Brian Schottenheimer, and as we know, that is. Dicey, I I would be very, and McCarthy seems like he's going to be leading a lot of it. I feel like that's a step back for them. Uh, And I think that that is the biggest thing. They're clearly, who are they? They're, they're Mike McCarthy trying to be the God, like trying to really take over everything and prove that he's the the answer. That part of it makes me nervous. Yep. So the, the, like their season deciding X factor is, is the offense good enough to, to be what they should be because they have enough talent, but the, the, the way they're structuring now it makes me really nervous. So like that's the X factor to me is, mm-hmm. is their offense going to take this major step back going to Brian Schottenheimer and away from Kellen Moore that still that, that decision to move on. And like the chargers people are really excited about having Kellen Moore and they should be yeah. because I think he's pretty good. And it was really weird to let that walk out your door. I think the two questions for me, the one you said is number one. Um, and Mike McCarthy, I think, I think understandably has some, you know, feelings about how things ended in Green Bay, right? Um, and when the, and then, you know, what happened when the next guy that walked in the door in Green Bay had such amazing success, right? It, it seemed to indicate that they were really underachieving with uh, McCarthy in Green Bay. And, you know, there was some pretty unflattering stuff that came out about him, you know, like getting massages during the day at work and all sorts, you know, like it was, it the picture that was painted was that he was kind of, you know, taking an on-the-job retirement in uh, in Green Bay the last few years. So I think he is very motivated to prove that narrative incorrect, which puts, you know, a lot of pressure on himself to really uh, design. I mean, the Cowboys have had a really good offense. So for them to take a step forward this year would is, is a high bar, but that seems to be like kind of where he has to go. The other question for me is the offensive line, right? Like, I mean, you mentioned Teron Smith, you know, really – dealing with chronic, you know, injuries at this point in his career. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's one of those guys that has back problems. And, you know, you want, once that starts, it doesn't usually resolve itself, right? Um, it just kind Missed of keeps... a large portion of last year, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. And so, you know, they have Tyler Smith, they can bump out, but then, you know, now you're weakening the interior a little bit more. Terrence Steele is iffy as a right tackle as well. And the depth behind those guys is less. I mean, you mentioned the starting guard, they let walk out the door. So, just less depth on the offensive line. I think the way that those two questions can combine is I think the, the Cowboys will probably have a good plan going into the year. The question becomes for me, 
when adversity hits either through injury or people figuring out their scheme, what's their B plan? What's their, what's their change up? And I still doubt that Mike McCarthy has the ability to adjust on the fly to, to if teams have them kind of dialed up. I don't, I, I mean, I have to think they're good enough to be a playoff contender. We saw it last year, but I don't find them to be that much. I, I don't think they're better. I don't, I really don't think they're better. I, I would probably put them a shade worse. If I had to predict them better or worse, I have to, I have to put them on the worst side. Yeah, and that's I crazy that. to think just a coordinator like Kellen Moore could do that. But it's just, it's a lot of bad vibes. They're still a playoff team. I think they'll yeah. compete, but yeah. I think I view them a little less seriously than I did last year, even though I yeah. do think there's some very clear, like Brandon Cooks is a massive second wide receiver upgrade. And to- yeah. Tony Pollard being your your bulk of your carries in the backfield is, a, again, a, a really big upgrade. Yeah. But there's still a con- enough concerning spots for me there that, that I, I would just kind of pause on saying that this is a team that's going to be like guaranteed to trend in a, in a higher direction. You know what I mean? I do. And, you know, the other thing that I think is interesting to think about and and like this is this is maybe like two two galaxy brain for the preview, you know, where you run through the, the roster or whatever. But like I was listening to Brad Spielberger talking about salary cap stuff. He was talking about how the Cowboys year after year don't spend that much, really. Like they're they're towards, the, you know, average to below average in, in cash spending on a yearly basis. Even though be, they're that's def- such a big surprise, exactly, Jerry. You know, right? They're they're the richest franchise in the league. But I was just thinking about it from the perspective of a guy like Jerry Jones, who's at his age, you know. And the narrative is that he wants to win bat more, you know, more more than anybody else, right? But the actions don't really back that up. Yeah. And you know, if you were going to build a team that was going to be maximally profitable, the team you would build looks a lot like the Cowboys, right? Like a lot of a lot of names. Um, a good team, an exciting offense that is good, but not so dominant that it becomes kind of boring or easy to hate, right? Like they're kind of right in the driver's seat of like, they're going to be in the conversation every year and you can always rely on them to get, you know, all the, the prime games and all the, you know, all the best, uh, scheduling, but the, but something about not delivering consistently almost makes them more intriguing in a way. And so it almost feels like He's happiest and probably richest if they're like ten and seven every year. Yeah, I, I don't understand why that team is not using every single cap benefit the way the Browns are—the cash spending stuff. It right. doesn't. Right. It doesn't make a ton of sense. It really doesn't. Unless you think he's just wanting to make money. I mean, that's possible, but I would think a guy at his age with the clock is ticking. Right. I know have to be sort of savage there. No, I... <laughs> the clock is ticking on him viewing another. It's like he's been all about getting another Super Bowl, but like right. Yeah, maybe they, you know, some organizations haven't really figured that out either. The cash spending yeah, element even. Could be that know, too. That, it could be. I I'd, I'd like to think they're pretty smart, but there could be just a stubborn nature about some of the stuff and I'm sure if you pulled aside some people who have been with the Cowboys for a while, there's probably like some retro, some nostalgia, some some stuff that's not grown yeah. in the best way around right. CBA yep. shifting in that organization. So, still should be a good team. I mean, like their playoff expectations to me, firmly a tier 2 team. Um, yep. but, but I don't view them as a Super Bowl contender. I just really, I feel like they're just no. going to flame out the way they, yeah. they typically they'll go on the road for, they'll maybe get a home game in the wild card and then go on the road. And like yeah, we saw last year or something, San and Fran, be it. they'll humiliate them. So, yep. yep. all right, well, good. We've established a lot of the NFC contenders. we got a few more and then we'll do like a roundup. We'll probably just put the NFC South into one big giant ball of clay and just hit on yeah. some topics from that. So we pretty much prepared you. And then, like I said, next week we'll have an AFC North deep dive and 
you know, feel like you, you've locked in on everybody around the NFL from a Browns perspective in our conversation, and, and then we'll hit the ground at training camp, and we'll do all the position uh, details in training camp. We'll do like previews of every position and talk through what we're seeing every day as far as social highlights and stuff like that. So should be a fun time. We're getting close, guys. So, Andrew, thanks for your time, buddy. Always a pleasure, Jake. We will check in with Andrew uh, later this week for your Friday episode. Thanks to him for being here. Thanks to you guys for stopping by. Always appreciate that. If you missed yesterday's episode with Quincy Carrier, go back and check that one out. I think it was pretty fun. Otherwise, like I said, thanks for being here. Have a fantastic Wednesday if you can. And thanks for continuing to check out the OBR Film Breakdown and the website where it's cornerback week. And there's plenty of good stuff there to be found. So thanks for being here, guys. Have a great Wednesday. Go Browns. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.